1: Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton. And you're listening to IcyMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture.
0: Today we're getting a little serious on the show.
1: Indeed we are. We're going to be talking about the Israel-Palestine conflict, uh, starting off with an absolutely wild tweet that I think me and Madison both saw today um, from none other than the official Israel Twitter account. Which I didn't realize that nation states had verified Twitter accounts until, I think, this weekend.
0: What they tweeted today is a series of six tweets, each one of them filled with rocket emoji. Just rocket emoji, rocket emoji, rocket emoji emoji over and over and over again, dozens and dozens of times. And then at the end of the thread, it says, just to give you all some perspective, these finger pointing up emoji, are the total amount of rockets shot at Israeli civilians each one of these rockets is meant to kill. Make no mistake, every rocket has an address. What would you do if that address was yours?
1: I don't know, man. Probably wouldn't look at the official Twitter account from my home country and think, yeah, these emojis are really helping me.
0: It's just, it's so grim, That, like, and the way the cartoon rocket is stylized on my computer, it's just super, like, bubbly and cheerful. And I don't know, people have, Israeli people have died. If my government were making light of very real deaths, that, I don't think that would feel great.
1: I mean, what's being hinted at in this tweet is death. There have been at least 12 people killed in Israel and. If my government was tweeting from their official verified Twitter account, rockets to signify my family member dying, I'd be a little offended.
0: Yeah, there's a real a real lack of gravity, I think, to seeing a very real war playing out like it's a Twitter beef. It's unsettling. Uh, since last Monday, over 200 people, at least 50 of whom were kids, have been killed in Gaza in Israel's latest Palestinian crackdown. The most recent spate of violence began with the forced eviction of Palestinian families from their home in Sheikh Jarrah by Israeli settlers and attacks by Israeli security forces on the Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. Israel's defense minister said that the military operation in Gaza won't stop until there is, quote, complete quiet. Uh, And the imagery, which to be clear is horrifying, coming out of Gaza shows very little sign of things letting up.
1: While these very real attacks and acts of violence play out on our screens and on our feeds, because it's 2021, a very different but also adjacent fight is happening in real time online. This one with memes instead of mortar and celebrities like Bella Hadid and Gal Gadot getting involved. And apparently the Israel Twitter account. The question kind of being raised is... If you don't post, are you tacitly anti-Palestine or anti-Semitic? If you do post and you get it wrong, are you just nothing but a hashtag activist? Which, to be quite honest, is a charge that can be levied at you even if you do get it right.
0: (laughs) Right, even if your politics and posting are (laughs) acceptable to your audience, that's still... uh...
1: Yeah, slacktivism is like a real thing that is kind of being levied at people. But ultimately, in a post-Black Square economy... Who do stylized infographics that overdistill complex issues actually serve? And who is actually really being helped by the sharing and retweeting of these infographics and images and memes?
0: Some obviously very big questions here. Uh, We're gonna answer all of them definitively.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But we are gonna try and get at this story in the way that we know best, which is through memes. And so to start, we want to talk about this set of shareable images on Instagram that you may or may not have seen that really are sort of at the root of what we're describing. It's a, a a cartoon conversation between two women. They're, like, sitting and talking and sipping their coffee, and they have big speech bubbles over their heads, and one is, like, asking questions about this conflict, and the other
1: one is giving answers. This comic comes from Key 48 Return, which is this pro-Palestinian student group that has just under 65,000 followers on Instagram, and their general goal slash message is as I say on the website, to educate and to inform and to use social media and other platforms to give Palestinians a platform to explain what is happening in Palestine and to not further feed the biased media's pit of conflict confusion. And this cartoon very much gives it that message. Uh,
0: I feel like we should do a dramatic reading just to give you a little bit of visual context. This is a A set of cartoon women who are sitting on the floor, sort of with their knees, you know, like Ariel sitting on the rock in The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sort of like that. Uh, You know, they're like perched, holding their cups of coffee, having a chat. The background is like a piece of paper that's been crumpled up and flattened back out. Uh, Do you want to be the gal in pants
1: or the gal in the dress? (laughs) I'll be the gal in the dress because she has um, brown skin. So... (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fill in. Fair enough. Uh,
0: I got to get my coffee cup out. That's, that's important. So Israelis and Palestinians aren't fighting over religion? They are not fighting.
1: Israelis are the oppressors and Palestinians are the oppressed. And the situation is about anything but religion.
0: Next slide. Isn't it just an argument over land between Muslims and Jews, though?
1: No, it is not. Before the creation of Israel, only 73 years ago, Palestinian Christians, Jews and Muslims all peacefully coexisted in Palestine. The Palestinian Christian community is the oldest Christian community in the world.
0: This infographic goes on for several more slides explaining U.S. funding and involvement in Israel, uh, how Israel came to be formed in, you know, 1948. It's full of a lot of information. And as a result, it got shared really widely. Key 48 Return has been posting this for about a month now. And the original version has, you know, half a
1: million likes. Uh, It's been reposted in several other languages. Which in terms of like kind of a social media campaign is one that is incredibly successful.
0: It got that Diet Prada repost. That's that's how you
1: know you've broken out of, like, activist Twitter. <laughs> yeah, That's really the sign. And, I mean, you mentioned activist Twitter. That kind of gets at the heart of, I think, some of the controversy around it, or at least the good faith controversy around it, because there's a lot of bad faith controversy around it. But there are a lot of terms in this infographic, and it gets into a lot of the misinformation around what the Israeli-Palestine conflict is about when it's often framed as one that's like 2,000 years old and it's about religion when in all actuality what is happening on the ground now is the result of state policy decisions made in the past 50 to 70 years.
0: I was going to say century, but that's even too long. And so
1: these are all things that are kind of put into this infographic in a way that is very easy to understand. But I think even the people who created it, like I think even Key 48 would say... This is not the end-all, be-all of, like, education around the Israeli-Palestine
0: conflict. Exactly. And, you know, even even the best, most well-researched, you know, infographics, like, you have to verify the things you're reading before you choose to amplify
1: them. Not least because there are a lot of bad ones that (laughs) use the kind of same language as the good ones. And so you have to be able to discern between the two of them because, for example, there's a very awful one that uh, name checks Rupert Murdoch and it boils the
0: whole the whole thing down to a fight over oil in a location where there literally isn't oil we are not going to link to this or describe it (laughs) any further because uh, to elevate that would be to elevate anti-Semitism which we are not going to do though we do want to note that one can be critical of the choices and motivations of the Israeli government and not be actively (laughs) anti-Semitic.
1: As you can notice by all of the various caveats me and Madison are giving, this is a very complex and complicated issue, which is not an excuse not to engage with it, but is a reason that (laughs) the kind of pretty infographic that is easy to share, that kind of proliferates and thrives on platforms like Twitter or Instagram, should again kind of be an entry point into an issue versus, okay, I reshared that on my story. That's all I'm doing for today.
0: It kind of reminds me of, you know, like, if you see a doctor about a medical procedure, they'll often, like, recommend that you get a second opinion, even if the advice that they've given you is, like, super sound and well-researched. It's like, yeah, but you should go out and, and verify this. But it's sort of the same thing, right? It's It's, like, even if you're getting the best of information from social media, like, double-checking it on your own time is the only way to be sure.
1: Not least because in doing that, you will be able to kind of speak to or against kind of bad faith arguments like the ones that proliferated in the comment section of that first infographic we were talking about.
0: Someone who would agree with you is uh, Bella Hadid, the supermodel and uh, one time viral star of, do you remember the the homeboy comes through wearing these? He's going to get it. If homeboy is coming through with these, right. it's
1: quiet. Yeah, no, right. it's quiet for him. But <laughs> like, if he comes through in like these, yeah. you got some Air Maxes out here. Yeah. You got some Jordans. Homeboys, going that like. Get it. Oh, why did you make me remember that? I forgot about so we that. We needed a,
0: a brief moment of levity. <laughs> Bella Hadid. Uh, uh, Bella Hadid, supermodel and also daughter of Palestinian-born real estate mogul Mohammed Hadid, uh, has been very vocal about Palestine, not just in recent weeks, has been for quite some time. But in recent weeks, she shares this infographic. Her sister Gigi likes it. They get a lot of shit, (laughs) for lack of a more nuanced description, for being vocally
1: pro-Palestine. Which, to be clear, they have been for years at this point. There's this kind of moment we're existing in right now where being vocally pro-Palestine is, I think, maybe less dangerous than it has been in the past. But, yeah, they have been doing this way before and in a time when they could have and probably have lost opportunities because of it. And so Bella posts this infographic and everyone's favorite news source, the Daily Mail, The Daily Mail. They do this whole kind of article fact-checking the infographic. And in case you can't tell by my voice, there's heavy quotes around fact-checking. Because one of the things they say is she is incorrect in describing the region as being under apartheid because Israelis and Palestinians are free to choose their own leaders and live under their own rules, which the United Nations describes Palestine as the occupied Palestinian territory. Do with that what you will. The Hadid sisters sharing this and getting backlash for it kind of illustrates just how far this infographic has gone and the effect that it's having. In fact, writer Alex V. Green tweeted, "'The fact that one IG slideshow of the two cartoon women chatting has effectively undone a decade of Zionist propaganda is fucking iconic, sorry.' Which, the kind of sorry hints at this ambivalence that I think a lot of people who are very smart about these issues have about infographics like this, where it's like, yeah, could be better, but also, like, they are effective. Could be better, and, like, everyone needs a starting point.
0: And if that starting point literally happens to be the place where you sit and scroll while drinking your coffee, like that stupid cartoon woman, if that's the thing that motivates a person to then go do more research and to actually learn more about this thing, that let's be real, and this is is by design, feature not a bug, sorry I hate that phrase, but it's what it is, gets gets described as being so so overcomplicated and nuanced which it is but so overcomplicated and nuanced to the point that like why bother trying to understand mm-hmm. it because you won't be able to you're not smart enough you don't have a a, a masters or a phd you didn't go to divinity sc- you know and that that's how pernicious <laughs> things fester right it's when when people who are smart enough to understand conflict are actively discouraged from doing so exactly we should probably note that bella hadid has actually since deleted this infographic which might indicate that upon further investigation she
1: didn't agree with you know everything she had reshared i really think the kind of best marker of how effective this infographic is is that none other than the IDF decided to co-opt it, which there's nothing more flattering than a big institution trying to take the words you use, like to try and take the teeth out of it. That probably more than anything demonstrates just how much you're shaking shit up. So
0: Rachel is getting into the next step in this saga, which is because of how the internet works. This really hyper-shareable format of these two cartoon women talking to each other in, you know, simple, plain terms has been getting re-memed by people on all sides of the fight.
1: After the break, we're going to get into how Israel and others have co-opted this graphic, what happened when Gal Gadot waded into this, and how people should decide whether or how to post about this stuff. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Okay, and we are back. Like we mentioned before the break, this meme format on Instagram has now become just the language of discussing Israel and Palestine on on Instagram this week. Perhaps uh, most notable was a post from The Israel Defense Forces on Instagram, which is uh, not two ladies sipping coffee, uh, but instead a uh, redheaded woman with like a little blunt bob and a soldier with a gun in like army fatigues. I don't think we need to read any of these uh, pink speech bubbles in this particular infographic. The comments, however... Pass the vibe check.
1: We love when the comment section passes the vibe check because Lord Jesus does it not always. But one thing that I do kind of want to get at is historically, Israel and the IDF have been extremely savvy on the internet. Their strategy beyond the cartoon includes tweeting about Bella Hadid attending a protest. And they wrote... When celebrities like Et Bella Hadid advocate for throwing Jews into the sea, they are advocating for the elimination of the Jewish state. This shouldn't be an Israeli-Palestine issue. This should be a human issue. Shame on you, Israel under attack. And in that tweet, they have a screenshot from Bella Hadid's story. They don't have the actual clip. Because Um, she
0: did not say that!
1: Because (laughs) she didn't say it. What they were referring to is the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Which they eventually clarify because so many people in that thread are like, Bella Hadid literally did not say that. But this is all part of like this extremely savvy PR campaign. It's this sort of tactic
0: where the best attention you can garner online is to like, involve the most famous people voicing their opinions on this. So like bringing Bella Hadid in as like the enemy in this is so useful because with it comes Bella Hadid's supporters, Bella Hadid's haters, people who don't really care either way, but do in fact know who Bella Hadid is and will pay more attention than they might have to just like say the IDF tweeting similarly
1: ideological things. It's kind of insane. <laughs> it's definitely very intensely disturbing that this is the kind of strategy that has historically worked. Uh, it's very true. Did you know that uh, Israel has an official TikTok? I did not.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they do. They've been uh, making videos a lot lately, including one about Bella Hadid, similar to the tweet you just described. All that being said, I feel like we are uh, we are dancing around talking about one very famous celebrity who did opt for the uh, slacktivist route, Wonder, Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot, a former member of the Israel Defense Forces.
1: She sends out this kind of uh, Instagram, almost looks like an Instagram apology, except it's not the notes app. It's from the story function, and it's written in the courier font, which you know is like the serious font. And she writes... This is a vicious cycle that has been going on for far too long. Israel deserves to live as a free and safe nation. Our neighbors deserve the same. Which, I don't know, it's an interesting rhetorical move to describe Palestinians as your neighbors when I don't even think that Israel policymakers would say the same thing. I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think Fred, Mr. Rogers, would have some, have some thoughts about that. For me, the yardstick of failure is that Ted Cruz tweeted, God bless Gal Gadot. Which just, if I ever find myself being, quote, tweeted by Ted Cruz, and he's, you know, blessing my heart or whatever, I'll, I'll know I've
1: really fucked up. Yeah, time to swiftly defenestrate yourself.
0: Though we should note that being Israeli was not a prerequisite for posting a mealy-mouth, both-sides-ism kind of statement on social media. Uh, to name a few other famous folks who also fell into this category, uh, Anne Hathaway, your fave, Jamila Jamil.
1: Joe Biden. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Very true. But not every celebrity was as mealy-mouthed as the ones we just listed. There have been a few who have actually done pretty good statements, and largely because they aren't afraid to take a side, including none other than member of Fifth Harmony, Fourth Harmony now, I guess? Um, Anyway, Lauren Horegi, who did a really great tweet thread. I really like this thread because it it reads to me like it
0: doesn't feel like it contains buzzwords, but it isn't just purely buzzwords. There's a moment where she she says, we are all right here on this fucking earth witnessing this cycle repeat itself and consuming and digesting propaganda like it fuels our empty souls. And I just (laughs) something about her saying we are all right here on this fucking earth. I'm like, oh, you're talking like a human, a human who has done research and taken time to learn about an issue and is now trying to talk candidly because that's the only way forward here, right?
1: No, it definitely, it sounds like she has done the reading and has synthesized it in her own voice. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of helpful at this point to kind of get into how do you know the difference between a good post and a bad one on an issue that you may or may not feel qualified to talk about? Because I really feel like that's where a lot of people kind of come down on. Because, I mean, cancel culture is fake, But the internet is unforgiving. And so I do think people mean well, but also just don't really know how to post (laughs) sensitively. Yeah, And that's really important at this point in time. Like social media is kind of irrevocably part of activism at this point and raising awareness. And so it's not kind of a shallow question to ask. It's an important question to ask. It's an important question to ask. And I think that bad actors... Have taken advantage of that kind of fear of fucking up by just saying, you don't you just don't need to comment on it. And that's not mm-hmm. the right way to go about it. That's
0: not the answer. But that actually makes me think there was an influencer who I follow who I think over the weekend or last week had mentioned that she had stopped posting about Israel and Palestine because she got a death threat after a recent post and she was like, Okay, that's it. Like I'm not, I'm not engaging with this anymore as a safety precaution.
1: Which is, I'm not gonna say not fair. Like, you know, you have to be safe and getting death threats are extremely scary. But again, kind of goes back to the point of people are risking a lot and have historically risked a lot to speak up about this specific injustice. And also Mm -hmm. we just, and by we, I mean, y'all just spent the last 14 months tweeting like, armchair epidemiologist about the pandemic, when has not being informed ever been an excuse not to tweet <laughs> about something? Like, I'm really... When... We spend hours a day just scrolling through uninformed takes, and we're like, yeah, seems about right. So why, when we are seeing photos and videos and news footage from verified media sources that are on the ground the time when we are saying, oh no, you need to know 2,000 years worth of history about a religious conflict to post anything. And there's this kind of, again, bad faith (laughs) turn that posting about this is merely performative. Just because there is an inherent performative element to it does not mean that you need to stop kind of analyzing or thinking critically about your motivations for doing something not only your motivations but also how much are you willing to risk how much are you willing to hear criticism from the people that you are claiming to be in solidarity with how much are you reading are you willing to do once you've finished retweeting the infographic or posting it on your story how much are you willing to do who are you following who are you engaging with and I think that's where a lot of people kind of get nervous is they're like, what if I say something wrong? And I'm really sorry to say that you you probably are like, you're going to say something wrong. Right. If you're not messing
0: up occasionally, then you're probably not expanding your knowledge base or taking the opportunities to learn and grow. That said, you know, if you posted a black square,
1: perhaps, uh,
0: <laughs> perhaps reconsider. I hope you have taken that learning opportunity. You've had time.
1: Exactly. And I think that one of the many things that kind of stuck with me from last summer, after George Floyd was murdered, and there was this kind of outpouring of activism, both in the streets and online, was there was so much kind of promise and potential in these infographics, because they kind of signified the beginning of something, the beginning of a journey to learn more. And I think where activists and kind of good faith criticism of these infographics come from is that for many people, it's not the beginning, that's the end. And that's not helpful because infographics will never contain the entirety of a situation. You should 100% read the infographics. You should share them if they seem like they're well-researched or if they're shared by people who you trust on the topic. But like those people are going to tell you to continue to read and don't let that be the end of it.
0: Follow some new people, Keep posting. Read a book. (laughs) Don't let posting be all you do. That's honestly great advice, like, even in in a political uh, (laughs) everyday life. Do things that are not just posting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All righty. That is the show. We will be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. Uh, Thank you if you already subscribe. Uh, It's free and the best way to make sure you never miss out on an episode of IcyMI. If you really like what you hear, leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about us. Tweet about us. Make an Instagram infographic about us. Uh, (laughs) It really does help us to find new listeners. In the meantime, though, if there is something on Instagram that you just can't stop thinking about
1: a white girl dancing video that you you kind of want explained
0: or you just want to have a conversation with me and rachel because it seems fun uh (laughs) drop us a note at icymi at slate.com or you can find us on twitter our hashtag is
1: icymi pod ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. For Swickman is Slate's culture editor. Gabe Roth is editorial director of audio. See you online. Or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was a horrible noise. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I was trying to over-dramatize a coffee slurp. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?